Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Green Suiters Podcast. This is episode 48. I don't know what this title is going to be, but we're going to call it Bad Work Day. (laughs) 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 Because we've all had really terrible weeks. Yeah. Jason's had a bad week. Sedge's had a bad week. Mm. I blew out both my neck and my back doing nothing. Literally doing... Okay, so probably the dumbest way that you could ever pull your back and neck so i was Crocheting? on the couch no i was on the couch and stretched and oh. my neck started to spasm what that was that was like two days yeah and then uh yesterday morning i was literally bending over to pick a piece of trash off off the ground and my back started spasming so I, I've hit the point now to where I could literally do nothing and my body just hurts. So kind of sounds like a, me on a daily basis. <laughs> thanks a lot, pinched nerves. Jeez, so, criminy. So for the last two days I've just been sitting in bed chewing on muscle relaxers, trying to not be in pain. So you can can you overnight any of those to me? What are they? <laughs> Per- Percocets? No. Oh. Tizanidine? Something like that. I don't that. even know what that is. All it does is make me go to sleep. That's pretty much all it does. It what did you say it was called? Tizjizidine? Yeah. Tizjizidine? You're an idiot, You guys are idiots. Oh, good Besides having crappy work weeks, what have you guys been up to? Well, hold on. Let's talk about the giveaway real quick. Yeah. Oh. So... Ben, you were right and I was wrong, as much as it pains me to say that, because you said that you change your episode release to Mondays and Mondays is mm-hmm. Monday is the first. So we actually lied on the last episode, but it's okay. Um, but the month of August now, because this will come out in August, we have a new giveaway. Uh, it is with a return company, Ooh. that being uh, Leather by Michelle and Mouse Pads <laughs> by Patrick, also known mm-hmm. as Leather by Dragonfly. <laughs> Um, they're giving away something pretty cool this month, like even cooler than the other months. They really? are going to give away, yeah, they're going to give away an apprentice apron. Oh, snap! Ooh, yes, now here's, cool. here's the kicker US, including Alaska and Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you that don't know what the apprentice apron is, the apprentice apron is a standardized apron, it is not oh. a custom oh. apron. Oh. Um, so cool. they're going to offer it in size um, small to 2X, right? And you will have your option of, it comes, you know, you get like a pencil holder, you get a tape measure clip, you can choose left or right, and you get a pocket, which you can choose left or right. I would say, and that is that is probably all that you really need. Yeah. Like hmm. the tape measure hook, the pencil holder, and then a pocket. You could like, that's such you a could, great value. You could, yeah, definitely get by. That is so such a great like a, value. I want to say it's a two hundred and fifty dollar mm-hmm. value. I believe. Yeah. If you guys want to find out more, go to leatherbydragonfly.com and check out the um, apprentice apron. Oh, phew. Specifically. I'll have it linked I'm, in the show notes. I'm okay. glad you clarified it because I thought that's what uh, Trump wore on uh, the television program. The apprentice apron. Oh, <laughs> I was like, I don't, that doesn't make any sense to me. 
Sorry, it went right over. It went right over my head, Sedge. Sedge, did you, did you watch that right after QVC? <laughs> you know, no, after I never Golden watched Girls. that program. But after Marianne Golden did. Girls. What? Sedge he said right after Golden, Golden Girls. Girls. <laughs> no, 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 no. Gunsmoke. Oh, jeez. So, um, hold on. Batman. I just want to make sure. I'm not making sure. He did. Brady he want, he wanted me Quinn to. Medicine Woman. All right, let me finish what this. That, what was that show called? <laughs> We're so on track. I know. All right, guys. Yeah. About. We're so if on you track. Want, if you want a chance to win the apron, go to leatherbydragonfly.com and check out custom, or not custom, Jesus, uh, apprentice apron. If you look at the apprentice apron, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's a very good value if you want an opportunity to get a leather apron from okay. the best makers of leather aprons in the industry. All right, let me correct Jason okay. once again. You, you don't go to Leather by Dragonfly for the chance to win. You go to greensitters.com, greensitterspodcast.com. I didn't, I didn't say that. Yeah, you did. For a chance yeah, to win. I said, you if, said you if you want, want a chance to win, go to Leather by Dragonfly. Okay, you know, guess know what I mean. You yeah. know what, buddy? We'll see it how it is in the edit, okay? If you, if you, learn, <laughs> if you want to learn more about it, go to Leather by Dragonfly. If you want to win it, go to greensitterspodcast.com. And that's enough yeah. of that. I might be bringing Moving another... Per, another company on during the month uh, for a giveaway. Okay. So more to follow. Nice. Just things aren't moving as quickly as I would have liked. Awesome. So what have we been up to? I haven't been up to anything. I've been laying in my bed for the last couple of days. Okay. I thought you said your kitty cat knocked the oh, coffee no, I was over. Just, I was just messing with you guys. Oh, okay. He <laughs> was just trying to make us feel better. It's like cute cat videos. Man. Yeah. You guys were talking about how how bad work's been. I just wanted to make something up about the fact that I don't work. So yeah. <laughs> nice. Sedge. Okay. Um, I've been in my shop a lot. Ever since you came over, we were talking about rearranging stuff, man, my mind's been going a hundred miles an hour. So <clears throat> I built out and I showed you on Saturday when I went over how I mm-hmm. built out that uh, miter saw station that on the right side, so I'll be doing a video on the left side, but I redesigned the cabinets already and I've been ripping up a ton of plywood and uh, designing even taller ones because that whole wall will be uh, basically the cis ports I make out of plywood and cis AZ drawers. And I'll do a video on that. And I've been, uh, I just bought a bunch of three drawer sort tainers. I'll be tricking out a lot of that with Kaizen foam and boxes. And I just bought another 15 a, a cis AZ drawers. So I've been busy um, just punching and cutting and edge banding. And I'm going to do two different sizes. And I think we'll have the plans um, drawn up and offered on our website, sedgetool.com in the near future. But I'll be doing a lot of video content going forward with that. Just I just want to make sure I get my, my uh, sides, the heights right because I want to do levelers for the miter saw stand, but I also want to do a toe kick for the taller ones. And I want to keep them when I double stack them, I want to keep it underneath those, uh, that lumber rack I made or I put up. So I I don't know if I'm going to go to the effort of putting a wall up because most of it will be blocked by the cis ports that I make. So that's something I got to think about. Uh, Don't know. I, I, I'm kind of, keen on insulating like you did with that Roxel, 
So I may do that. And did you use half inch MDF on that? Uh, yes. On the wall. Yeah. That, but you're not screwing a lot to it. Are you? I mean, no, anything of any weight, I would always go with the studs anyways. So, yeah. So I'm thinking, I think I might do the half inch MDF if I go with a wall. So I just want that insulation value. Cause that is a, I, even though I have insulated doors, I have the windows, which I foamed. Uh, I put the foam panels with gaffers tape, but that, that was some good insulation there, but I think I'm going to, I don't know. I'm, I'm debating whether I should build the wall and go with the rock. So, but that's, that's later on in the next few weeks. That's what I've been up to. Just busy, busy, busy getting ready at work. Cause well, it'll already have passed when this is dropped, but uh, I'm doing a, um, a collab with shaper, uh, a guitar build uh, Thursday night in a few nights from now. So we're nice. just working out the logistics of that. Been really busy getting ready for on the road stuff. Yeah. I mean, we got some cool stuff happening in Canada and locally in Lafayette. A week, we're doing a Fest Tool Live a week from this Friday up in Lafayette at a Von Tobel. So that's yeah. really cool. They're great people. So that's what I've been up to work, work, work. Nice. Well, you've been up to Mr. Bent. Um, well, as the audience, most of the audience knows that uh, I will be a, having another child soon. And my wife's mother will be flying into town this Sunday. So we wanted to make sure that the guest room was ready. So we painted and did a couple other things, put some new curtains up and did that over the weekend. Um, Jevin helped walk me through uh, smoking a uh, beef chuck roast. It came out pretty good. Uh, he told me to practice on that as opposed to wasting a bunch of money on a, on a, uh, big brisket and ruining it. But he's like, you basically follow the exact same steps. So this weekend I might be trying a brisket. Um, and matter of fact, this weekend, this will already be passed, but he might be coming down to do it with me this weekend. Um, and then really the only other thing, and I've been doing stuff uh, for work, but the only other thing of note is tonight, my Incra table saw fence came in the mail that I ordered back in February. So it'd be nice if I could possibly get that done over the next few evenings, but I doubt that, that is going to happen. But yeah, been out here in the shop, uh, finishing up these shelves, just doing stuff around the house, getting ready. Uh, because when, by the time this podcast comes out, I might be in the hospital with my wife. Because uh, next week, Max might be here. That's so cool. It's terrifying. <laughs> But exciting at the same time. I've got to run inside real quick, uh, mm-hmm. Ben. I'm going to kick this back over to you. Um, I'm going to have my headphones in, so I'll get to hear what, whatever you're talking about for the topic. But I'll, when I come back, I'll, I'll let you know. Okay. I'll be right back. Cool. Are you trying to use the internet on a day-to-day basis? Maybe sometimes you need not the whole router, but maybe just like a bit of the router. There's this place called Bits and Bits, and they... They just sell like maybe the part of a router, not not the whole thing. Uh, so they, it's the bit of the router. Hey Hans, we're gonna have to stop you there. Uh, this is an ad for Bits and Bits uh, tool company. Yeah, no, they sell the tools for the internet. I mean, that's what a, a router bit is, no? Oh geez, Hans, just stick to the ad description. I'll take it from here. 
Bits and Bits is a proud sponsor of the Green Suiters podcast and a distributor of the nation's best router bits for your shop. They feature shank sizes from an eighth to a half inch and have a wide range of diameters of upcuts, downcuts, compression bits, and more. They sell bits for your wood, aluminum, metal, plastic, acrylic, and foam projects, just to name a few. Their bits are suitable for hand routers, router tables, and even CNCs. Each and every bit is slathered in Astro Coating, which is a super secret sauce that prolongs the life of your bits, keeps them running cooler, and keeps the cutting edge razor sharp. Head over to bitsandbits.com to find out more. If you want to save some cash, use our promo code Hans15 to save 15% at checkout. Alrighty. Well, you know what, Sedge? I think it's time to, to get into tonight's topic. Yes. So when I when I pitched this topic, Sedge, and I'll, I'll explain what it is here in a second, what were your immediate thoughts whenever I texted you guys this? You said woodworking for dummies. <laughs> yeah. And I said, Ooh, I'm going to be the star talent. <laughs> no, uh, I didn't know what to think. But then when you started elaborating, go, okay, I get it. I get it. Um, so, I, so elaborate for the audience a little. Um, so I, I think that, that we can, we can kind of come at this any way that we want, but the, the gist of it is, is like, what are some of the, because we we've all been in this in this industry for very various amounts of time, but enough time to see how people do things differently, and and there are certainly different approaches to to tackling the same task. It it just kind of seems like sometimes people are uh, making it up as they go along because they maybe they feel like they have to they can't they can't admit when they're uh, when they lack knowledge on a certain thing or they don't really know how to do it but again because they've either amassed an audience or they're they're embedded in a community that they feel like that they're supposed to be a subject matter expert when you really can't ever be a complete subject matter expert and so it's like what have you seen you know and it, it doesn't have to be any time period but just what have you seen things that people do wrong um and, and it could be even something that you maybe you did wrong before and you've kind of corrected yourself but um i'm i look at uh facebook a lot I'm, I'm in a lot of woodworking for beginners groups just because it's a great place to see what the community's up to like trends and stuff like that but i also see a lot of dumb stuff like <laughs> um some of it is because they're beginners you know some people are like well i've been woodworking for 30 years and this is how i've always done it and it's like well it looks like crap. I mean, even if you've been doing it for 30 years, you know. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. So I asked uh, Jason and Sedge and myself included, we're, we, we're going to bring three to four things that we see people doing wrong consistently. Or again, it could be something that we've done wrong in the past that we just kind of see. And it's just like, why are you doing this? In the hopes that if you're listening to this, you don't do the same thing. Because I, I feel that the three of us, we we're uh we're humble enough to admit when we're wrong or when we don't know something but we're mm -hmm. also um knowledgeable and experienced enough to to call a spade for a spade more or less can i give a one little caveat to that mm -hmm. i totally agree that all of us are because i've seen videos by all of us about how we are willing to admit uh, when we make a state mistakes and show our mistakes which is i think vital but oh god daggone it guys i think we're a rare breed 
there's we're, there's not a lot there's a not a lot of people out there that are willing to show their mistakes or i i i love it when i see somebody like like i'll, I'll bring up jason hibbs uh bourbon moth when he did that video or he was just showing the soft clothes but he pulled them all out he crashed yeah. that whole bank of drawers yeah that was beautiful he most people ran, would have never shown that he ran that that guy is the real deal he he loves that he loves showing people hey i'm the dumbass mm-hmm. okay but that's a rare breed um if it's just a ve- i shouldn't say rare but it's a very small percentage of people so when i first started thinking about this there's times i'm watching a video and i start screaming going you're going to hurt somebody yeah by doing yeah, that so so that's how i'm going to approach it i'm also going to approach it from a, a, there's a couple different points of view i'm going to approach it from so i i think this is great a great topic because I, 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 I got about 10 or 20 things. I would have tried to pick the top three. So, I mean, it doesn't well, have to be three. I, I mean, was if, right, if we get, if we get to all 20, we get to all 20, but I was, I was writing all day and then I came home and typed all my notes. Well, I'm glad that, uh, that you, that you specifically are going to have a lot to talk about because I, as soon as you said this and you gave the, you know, we're going to things that you see, that you're like, what are you doing? I've seen it so many times, but then when I was like thinking about it, it's like, what, what things? And I'm, I'm like really having a hard time. As soon as you guys start talking about it, I'm sure that I'll figure mm-hmm. it out. But I always, I watch videos and I'm immediately like, this is not going to go well. Right. Mm-hmm. Or wow, you shouldn't be doing that. So I'm going to give my first initial thoughts on this and something that I think, because it kind of goes with what you were saying, Ben. And that is, this contributes a lot to the problem is that people are afraid to say that they don't know. And what happens yeah. is, yes, is when somebody says they don't know, right? Whether it's on uh, Instagram or a podcast or a YouTube video, when somebody gives information that's not true, right? They're just trying to give an answer because they want to sound like they are the subject matter expert and they can't disappoint the person who asked the question. Like they're asking me, they assume that I should know this. There's nothing wrong with saying you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. It's actually I, empowering. It's, it's actually respectful. And when yes, you tell yeah. somebody the wrong answer or the Ooh. wrong understanding, or you make something up off the top of your head and they try those things, Ooh. that causes a problem. So if you mm-hmm. don't know, say you don't know. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I think that it, and not to get too like super technical, but it kind of taps into the, the six bases of power. You know, there's uh coerciveness, um, reverence, like there's a whole bunch of other different bases of power. And from my experience, and, and this is obviously anecdotal, is that and going with what you're saying, Jason, is that people that, that are creating content or they've they've got this community around them, they feel like their their power um, is grounded in their knowledge, right? Because of what I know. And they feel like that that's the only thing that kind of gives that, that's the only thing that gives them, them validation or value in the community. And I mean, and I know from experience how challenging it can be sometimes. And I'm sure that you guys have gone through, gone through it too, where like, sometimes you don't have an idea of what you want to create, right? Like sometimes you don't have an idea of what topic you want to cover. And so sometimes people may just be kind of reaching for straws whenever they're creating something and and it, it shows in what they're doing. Like, well, you clearly don't really know what you're doing, but you're trying to, 
you're trying to pan this off as if you do. Um, so I, I, I get the the struggle of maybe coming up with ideas and, and maybe covering things that you're not so good at or trying to cover something that you're you're not good at, but make it seem like you do when when in reality, if you were to say, look, I have no idea how to do this, but I'm going to try to learn that would impact that would be that would have such a, uh, a greater impact on those that you're trying to reach mm-hmm. uh, than if you were to try to come across as an expert. And I think one of the things that I, I'll always try to do on the Sedge Tool channel uh, is this is the way I was taught and this is the way I do it. There's many ways to skin the cat mm-hmm. in woodworking. Mm-hmm. And this I'm going to offer an opportunity of how I do it. And that's for me, that gives me an out, but it also um, it, it's humbling. It's humbling because I'm not the one all beat all. None of us are. Nobody mm-hmm. in Word Working is the one all beat all. If you ask me, there's no great. There's people who make mistakes daily, but the people who are really good are the ones that show you as the ones that make the mistakes and show you how to correct them properly. And they're humble. And those are the guys I can watch all freaking day because they're genuine. They're authentic. If I was in the shop with you, Sedge, and you made a mistake, you'd be a lot more open to, this is just an example. I'm not saying that you wouldn't do this in real life, but let's say I was at your shop and we're uh, working together and you make a mistake you'd be a lot more inclined to tell me that mistake right on the spot. Let me know what you did, why it was wrong and all of that. Now, fast forward to a social media age where you have tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of people that are judging, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, In quotes, uh, judging everything that you do. I'll tell you the biggest reason why the vast majority of people don't share mistakes. And that is because they don't want to deal with the ridicule. They don't want to deal with the comments. They don't want to deal with any of that stuff. When the funny thing is, I've said this on the podcast before, the best posts that I ever do and the most positive feedback I ever get is when I show a mistake that I made mm-hmm. and how I fix it. I'll, I'll, we're very successful with Festival Live and because it's live. Mm-hmm. And we joke around a lot, but how many whoopsies was that, Sedge? <laughs> I make mistakes every yeah. single festival life. I had this this past one. I was running a fourteen hundred, and I went, "Oopsie, let's do a quick bit change." And you have to recover. And I think people see that, and it's genuine. And they go, "Oh wow, this this guy has been working for festival for fifteen years. He's been around the brand for almost twenty, and he makes mistakes." That's what life is. We learn from them. But the number one thing about live, it's tough. You have to roll with it. Not everybody can do that. And, um, I thought everybody could do it, but there's a lot well, of when it's, that- when it's staged, it's obvious it's staged when it's live, it's obvious that mm. it is live. And that also goes in when somebody knows what they're talking about and they give you a good educated answer and they're able to explain it, you know, it's, you know, they know what they're talking about when they give a BS answer and they're just beating around the actual topic, mm. you know, it's fake. Right. Mm, you, right. I, I can yeah. see it as clear as day when somebody doesn't know, but feels the need to answer something right. Live buddy, and Ian, staged. My, it's the same in both. I'm trying to think of who it is. If somebody says, Sedge, are you, do you make mistakes on purpose? <laughs> Cause you make a lot of them. And I go, you know what? I just love it. I, I don't like doing scripted work. And I think you all know that I just, I walk in and 
I'm done in an hour. I, pr- I do a lot of prep work, but I just love doing it live because I don't want to do over and over and over. I, it's fun. It's, it's exhilarating to do stuff live. And I'm doing it again on this Thursday night with Shapa. I mean, I'm excited. They're like, you good with this set? I go, hell yeah, it's fun. And they do it live all the time anyhow in their studio in San Francisco. But that's that's what's fun about it. They're going to do a, um, a festival live with me, I think, in the end of September. We're doing a tabletop. So I just... <sighs> I prefer live than, you know, something that's scripted and because you can make mistakes and people see that. Oh, I'm, I'm hammering. A, I'm over and over. I'm sorry. I'm getting off topic, but no, no. we're still on topic. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're passionate. Yeah. Do you want one of mine? Yeah. Well, one of your lists. Yeah. Off of one of my lists. Well, I, I kind of wanted to hit it first because okay, I, I go feel like for it. This is, go for it. that this is probably uh, the biggest one that I see constantly. And I think that uh, that it actually puts people at risk uh, in their shops, especially if it, come, if it comes from a really prolific content creator. And that is uh, wearing flip-flops in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> I'll comment. Go ahead and finish your dumb statement. <laughs> no, that's it. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sedge. <laughs> that was in, bad in to the phone. That was the people, thing. People actually think that I'm like doing woodworking. Like, hold on. Hold on. Before. Hey, hey buddy. Woo! He can't hear us. Hold on. All right. Just for a second, okay? Hi, hey, Leo. Hi. <laughs> Tell him I'm going to bed now. I'm going to bed now. All right, All right buddy. Sleep good. Say, so have a good podcast. I like a. Leo, are you excited that you're going to have a baby brother soon? Yeah. What's his name? Baby Max. Baby Max. Baby Max. Hey, I'm going to have a baby brother tomorrow. Ooh, That's awesome. Tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to have a baby bat bed. Ba- Baby, Baby man. Say goodbye. Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Sleep Bye-bye. good. Sweet dreams, pal. Say hi to Spider-Man. He is Spider-Man. Seth. He is Spider-Man. Goodbye. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so what kills me sometimes, and have you ever... I, I stop correcting people. Um, in a comment, because I did it a long time ago. I hate it when I see people in a video running a router in the wrong direction. Mm. Okay, that's dangerous. And then I've commented, go, oh, I was doing a climb cut. That's a that is called bullshit BS. Okay, you're doing it because it was good for the camera. <laughs> and 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 the thing the thing that's stupid is is that defending it saying they're doing a climb cut but they're gonna get somebody hurt you you always teach people which way a router goes okay and you stick by it whether it's a a profile bit a template guide or a parallel edge guide so when i see people that's what i start screaming at sometimes when i'm watching a video and i just i now i just duke it off i won't watch it and i won't watch because they're just doing it for a better camera angle and it drives me completely ballistic I'll, I'll tell you, sometimes I forget. 
I forget what direction I should be doing it, even though there's an arrow on the. You just go the, like um, this, Ben, and, and you, you're going to love this. This is how I teach which way your router goes. I yeah. take my right hand and I do this. My thumb is the bearing. You put it down and your index finger points in the direction you're going. It's so easy. It's easy for people to remember. Um, because I used to tell people, oh, when you're facing uh, the board, uh, the router wants to take you left. So you want to go left to right when you're in front of the board. But when you're doing an interior cut, that's what screws people up. You know, you're doing yeah. a rabbit on a frame or something. Yeah. And I don't that's... do counterclockwise clockwise because that messes people's heads up. This is just real easy going like this with your right hand and your index finger and your thumb and going like this. Yeah. Luther. <laughs> you are Luther. Luther. <laughs> Somebody in Connecticut showed me that. And I was like blown away. I said, I've tried to debuff it or whatever or uh, whatever. And it works every time. It's just super so, simple for people to remember. And, and another thing that people can do if, if you're kind of like me where you, you forget what it is, um, because I would, I would forget if it was my left or my right hand and I was supposed to do that edge. Just get a Sharpie and write it on your router. Yep. Like write the direction that the bit's going to spin or, or just mm -hmm. put, you know, uh, past this direction or whatever it is. Yep. That way you don't have to worry about remembering anything. It's already written mm -hmm. on there if it's not already. It, yeah. it's, it's just what people do something. They don't want to admit they're wrong. And what kills me is that video still lives out there and someone's going to watch it. Who's a newbie and go the wrong direction. And they're going to get hurt. And I don't, yeah. I hate that. Think safety you know, first. I, I would say for anyone that either makes content or is thinking about con making content that there, I think that there's a balance between showing mistakes and just, uh, and just making the video because sometimes I think that you should only show a mistake uh, if it is beneficial for others to see it. Yes. Um, I mean, if, if I watched uh, a channel and literally every single video, the guy was making a mistake, I would probably get tired of it after a while. I'd be like, Hey man, like, I just want to see how this is done. I, I, you know, mm -hmm. I think it's great that you're, you have the humility. So I think that, that there should be a balance of it because at the end of the day, it's all about bringing the viewer value and, you know, I think it has to be, again, a balanced approach. Now, at the end of the day, it's about views. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, Jason, what, what's your first? I mean, that other um, one I talked about was actually my first one. But so I'll give my my second one because I, I think that that's a mistake that a lot of people make. Um, I'm going to. This is kind of general, but I'll give a specific example of what I did. And it's it's being lazy in the operation of a tool because you don't want to take the time to do something right. And what I mean by that is I'm making a cut. Oh, quick. I got to cut something on the router table. Oh, I got to make this one cut real quick on the table. So I got to make this one cut real quick on the bandsaw. So they don't take the time because it's one cut mm -hmm. um, or something simple and small that they don't take the time to um, set it up properly and ensure that they're using the machine properly. They're just doing it real quick. They're like, ah, it's just one time. I'll be fine. I'll give you an example of an idiot mistake that I made, uh, and it's actually happened more than once. Um, and that is, have you guys seen the video I did on the bandsaw when I was cutting the dominoes? Yes. Yeah, I posted yep. it a couple of times where I was pushing them through. The guides were super high, um, and I was just making these cuts, and the throat plate was already broken and had a big hole in it. I'm cutting these tiny little pieces, just going through the motions real quick did not 
take the time because I'm like, oh, these are just, you know, dominoes. I just got to cut these real fast, right? Super quick. Well, what happened? Well, one of them tipped up on its end and uh, caught the blade, shot down, and it threw the uh, throat plate out, broke the throat plate, and could have been a very, you know, bad day for me. Um, and I've shared that post a few times. Um, and it's funny because I'll even put in the post, like, here's a stupid mistake that I made. Don't make the same mistake. And, you know, of course the trolls just come out like crazy, which is why I keep posting the video because it does well. Um, (laughs) but it's also an opportunity for people to learn. So, but that was a perfect example of, you know, a bonehead mistake that I made and I knew better because I'd done it before. Um, and that is not setting up the tool properly, even if you're only using it one time, right? Even if you're only mm-hmm. using it one time, you should make sure that everything is correct and that you are using it as safely as possible because it doesn't take more than one time to hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. So I For see sure. that stuff like that a lot uh, on social media posts, especially yeah. on like the ones where they're like just doing quick like overviews of like them moving around their whole shop. And um, yeah, that's my next one. Okay. Mine is uh, a really simple one, but it's one that I see a lot in the Facebook community where someone's trying to make a project and they want to make it nice and smooth. And so they just grab 220 and just start sanding. Mm-hmm. So it's skipping grits. Uh, it kind of goes hand in hand with what you're saying, Jason, before about um, not doing the process properly. Uh, you're, you're making more work for yourself and you're probably going to burn up more materials than what you probably would have had you not gone through a proper uh, grit step. So depending on the material, if it's a veneer, obviously you can afford to, to go with a little bit of a higher starting grit, but if it's raw, raw material, you start at a lower grit, you knock it down nice and flat, get out your swirl marks and you step through your grits going through and, uh, end for end dollar for dollar, you're going to do less work with less time. If you step through your grits, if you do it properly. Um, yeah. It's, and, and again, it's something that, that I see so many times they just burr through the finish or burr through the, the surface of the material because they're, they're trying to, you know, slap 320 on there and they're standing for hours. And they're like, why, why isn't the finish, uh, you know, adhering to the surface? Why isn't the finish drying evenly? Why is this like, well, there's nothing for it to stick to. You've, you've molecularly carterized the, mm-hmm. the fibers in the material. So Step through your grits, ladies and gentlemen. For the love of God, step through your grits. What? Can I add to that? Of course. Um, I have it here. God, that was great, Ben. You got one of mine that I just love. But I, I have a little, I'm going to talk about um, really quick about mistakes that I used to make. Okay. Not sanding through the grits. Okay. Not wiping the grits uh, mm-hmm. off between. between okay. Um, knowing not to sand above 180. That's the huge one. I won't argue with anybody anymore. But when I see people say, oh, I sanded to 20, 320, then what you just said, the not getting adhesion or proper absorption, should never sand raw wood above 180, but I won't argue with people. But the other thing, the mistake I used to make, and I don't anymore, is even at 180, when I stop, I sometimes I stop at 150 because the finish is what you're feeling. It's not, it's not the wood anymore is raking a light to check for swirl marks, not just going right to your stain or right to your oil or right to your seal coat. 
check with a light to make sure that you have everything brushed off, but also um, there's no swirl marks. Cause I, yeah. I won't, I will never ever sand above 180 ever again because I, I will lose claw or adhesion point. And that's, yeah. and, and I used to, I've been preaching that for so long to people and trying to teach people that and people won't admit. <laughs> I know a guy used to sand to like five, 600. And he said, Oh, I, 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 that's just my process. And I do it right. And I have a special finish that I use. And then he came to class about two years later. He goes, dude, I got it down to 220 and it's, it's still the same finish and it works great. And I go, Hey, little at a time, 180 brother, it's going to be better. <laughs> you know, but people don't want to admit they're wrong because they're, they've been stuck in their process forever. And then they have yeah, a they, problem. They, they think it's the, the finish, but it's their technique. Yeah. And they, they think their way is the only way mm-hmm. and anything else. If anyone else tries to convince them otherwise that they're, they're, um, I can't think of the word now, but they're, they're the devil. I've had, I had a guy come up to me and goes, Hey, don't tell me how to sand. I've been sanding for 40 years. I know what I'm doing. I go, Hey, listen, I, I, I understand, but um, this is the way I was taught. And can I show you? And I did. And afterwards he came up to me and said, you know what? I think I've been sanding wrong for 40 years. (laughs) He was and and that's one of my things on here is understanding that might be a different technique. And mm-hmm. don't be closed-minded. Yeah, you know, be you know, keep an open mind because there may be somebody out there younger than you. Yeah, right, newer, but he was taught by somebody else, and that's a killer technique on how to do like a some joinery or sanding or routing. Have an open mind, and, and that led into two. But uh, you started that sanding, and I think that's one of the things that. Is, is something that's just so overlooked because a finish is a finish. I'll say this a hundred times. It's the properly prepped surface that mm-hmm. gets you the right end result. Yeah. You know, what's funny. You never hear this part of the argument. If I sanded my table up to 320 and then I put a, f- a film forming finish on top of it, you're not feeling the surface anymore. You're feeling the finish. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I never understood about it. Like if you're putting a hard wax oil on it, which would be stupid at finishing it that high because it's not going to actually absorb into the wood. But let's just say I'm going to put polyurethane on my table that I just sanded to 320 because look at it, feel it. It feels so smooth. As soon as you put that finish on there, you're not feeling the wood anymore. Yeah. And and smoothness does not equate to flatness. Uh Uh-huh. And I, I would say that if you're if you're sanding up to that high of a grit and then you're putting something on top of it, you're it's probably not going to be a very durable finish to begin with because it's got nothing to bite on and it's going to be much thinner, a much thinner finish because there's less there's less valleys for it to fill in mm-hmm. if you're sanding that that smoothly. Yep. Which is why you go to 150, maybe 180, and then after you're a couple of coats, then you can. Maybe finish with a higher grit. I used to go to 120 and use Rubio. <laughs> you know, that's why I love Alan and the gang down there because that's what they teach. And I'm just like, okay, they're the same. They're in the same realm I'm at. But you know what? I There was a guy in Rhode Island that came up to me after I said, you never should stand over 180. And then a couple of people wanted to argue, me, argue with me in the class. He came up to me after he goes, thank you. I go, why? He goes, because that's what I've been preaching for 30 years 
because of absorption and adhesion. Mm-hmm. And everybody wants to say into 220, 320. I go, hey, listen, it's not being right. It's just understanding the wood, the wood, you know? Yeah. Um, that was really good, Jason, what you said. They're not feeling the 320, they're feeling the finish. Yeah. Mark Adams you're, taught me that. You're, you're touching plastic at that point. Smooth, smooth does not mean flat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I can have, I can touch a really smooth tabletop and feel the valleys because people tipped their sander to clean off glue because yeah. they didn't start at a low enough grit to just get rid of it and flatten it at the same time, but whatever. All right. Says, what's your next one? You seem really angry about that, Jason. Do you want to maybe uh, explore that a little bit more? I will, well, as that, you guys are talking. How does that make I'm, you feel when you, when you hear that, Jason? I'm, what does it do I'm, inside of you? Oh, no, because I've made all those same stupid mistakes, right? I don't want mm-hmm. other people to do it. Okay. Show, Jason, show me on the doll where the commenter touched you. Show me. <laughs> Here's one that I think we're all guilty of, but it's not good to do uh, in front of on video. And it's because we're in a rush. And I've caught myself a couple of times and I could have gotten really hurt. Uh, so I, I scream at the videos when I see somebody doing this and I'm, it's, it's usually with cordless, but it's also with corded. You're changing a router bit. You're changing mm, a saw blade. Uh, you're changing yeah. an oscillating blade uh, or a jigsaw blade. And it happened to be that we with a jigsaw blade and a cordless and I didn't take the battery off. It's always unplug, always, always take that battery off. Or both if you have the TSCs. I'm going to tell you right now, um, I almost, I was uh, with the CAVX, when the CAVX battery came out, it was, I went, it was very close because I was changing the blade. I was actually adjusting the guides on the blade and the battery was still in there. Can I add something to even further to that? Yep not just with cordless or corded hand tools, but also your major tools. Like if you're yes. putting a, you know, wax or something like that on there, doing any kind of maintenance. Um, yep. I think those are even bigger culprits because, you know, the cords may be further away or, yep. you know what I mean? So it's just like, Oh, I'm just going to do this real quick, make sure my machine's off. But when you're, when you're gaggling around a machine, putting mm-hmm. that stuff on, it's very, very easy, um, you know, to bump into the the power button with your knee or something like that while you're, while you're doing something. So that, so that was a really good one. So I'll tell you what was really cool. Uh, it got me thinking because the boys asked me, hey, you're doing the green suitors tonight? I go, yeah. They go, hey, uh, what you, what's it on? And I go, quit working for dummies. <laughs> and Chris goes, oh, you're going to feature Big D? <laughs> Damn, shots fired. Oh, my God. So we all started laughing. And then uh, Chris pointed out, he goes, I saw a video and he named the person. He was changing uh, a blade on the, um, the Vectoro cordless. And he had he had the blade right here and the battery was still on it. And he goes, he goes, I was screaming at the guy. <laughs> Okay. So it's, it's kind of mine, but it's kind of theirs. And I just wanted to call that out because those guys were like really into what we were doing tonight. So it's a really good one. Yeah, it really is. It really is because I've seen it on, I've seen people changing stuff. Um, Everything is still live and I'm going, Ooh, it's not if it's when it's going to nip you. Yeah. I think the more, the more mundane, the thing that you're doing, the the less guarded you are that something's going to go wrong yes. just like you're saying jason like you're putting some wax on the you know the surface of your table saw or you're just trying to you know maybe you're trying to reach in and try to grab like a little chunk of wood that fell down there or something like that 
um, you know, it's a very innocuous seeming task that you're doing, but it could also be the one thing that teaches you a really, uh, hardcore life lesson. Yep. All right. All right. Mine. Or, it's my turn. It's my turn. Isn't it? It's my turn. No, no, you got to so go. You, got you to did do. sanding, but I added on to the sand and he added on to sanding and then he gave his, now it's my turn again. You know what, Jason, I'm just going to edit out everything that you say tonight. Okay? You've done two. <laughs> I've done be, two. It's just going to be, it's just going to be me and Sedge. Now Are you now wearing I'm flip-flops. Uh, right now I am because I'm not woodworking. <laughs> All right. Um, this is a, this is a easy one, but I see it constantly. Um, clamping too tight. Yep. Clamping Very good. too tight. People are like, why is my tabletop bowing? Or, you know, I watch people like take the parallel clamps and they're like cinching those things down, like as tight as they yeah. go all the way down. And then they're like, okay, now that I've done that, now I need to go back and start at the other end and do it again. As soon as you see the glue squeeze out, you can stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's all you're trying to accomplish. Tightening it even more is completely unnecessary. Tighten it down, get that glue squeeze out, go down the whole thing, mm. make sure everything's good. And if you want to go back and just like an eighth to a quarter of an inch turn, maybe just because you might've done one a little bit more than the others. So you might have a little more play. Sometimes I'll do that. But if I, if I go to squeeze it and the glue stops squeezing out at that point, like I'm done. Like that, that's, yeah. that's it for me. That's all you need. Um, I see that constantly people are, or, or when it's really telling is when somebody's using like an F style clamp or a trigger clamp in an application it's, where they shouldn't be. It's like, like a bowing. tabletop and it's like completely bowed in the middle. And they're like, what's going on? Well, now it's pulling it the opposite oh, direction. Yeah. So like, yeah. it's completely unnecessary. You get, use the right clamps for one, use the right clamps for the right application. And once you do that and you tighten it down and the glue squeezes out and you have that nice bead all the way across, you're done. That's it. Stop over tightening clamps. And make sure you use Bessie K bodies. Make clamping great again, people. Make clamping great again. See, that's the thing that people don't understand about K bodies is it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't bow boards because the pressure is perfect all the way up on a that's that's why I've always, always, always used them. They've eliminated so much cupping and, and how do you say, uh, misery of clamping sometimes. Yeah. I just, I feel like, I, I get it. Not everybody can afford to go out and buy a bunch of Revo clamps, but man, like buy a pipe clamps even. I'd use pipe clamps on a big tabletop glue up before I would use, you know, F-style clamps or trigger clamps. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are cheap, like as cheap as you can get pipe clamps, right? You can get mm-hmm. any size you want, but, um, a lot of it stems from the wrong application for the clamps. Uh, and two, obviously money is an issue, but there are other alternatives that are less expensive, but you do not need to be clamping anything until that whole bar is bending. That's, that's not the reason why the bar can bend. It's not, <laughs> it's not for you to do it and see how far you can, you can go with it. Okay, Ben. All right. My next one is, um, applying clear coat finish with a brush and uh when they just kind of just like slap it like a fishtail they're just like slapping it all the way across the the surface of it um you're just you're you're giving yourself more work you're not getting a an even uh evenly applied finish and you know obviously if you're doing this on a flat surface it's going to self-level a little bit but if you're not doing overlapping passes if you're not 
trying to have an even amount of finish that's coming off that brush per pass. Um, it, it's going to dry uneven. It's going to look uneven. It's not going to be a really, if you're going for a really glossy finish, you're not going to have a really consistent look to it. There's, there's a methodical way of doing it. And the majority of it is with overlapping passes and you're, you're doing the same stroke. You're doing the same, you're dipping the, the brush at the same level in the can every single time so that you're getting the same amount of material on the brush when you go to throw it down. Before I got a sprayer, that's, I was very methodical with how I applied clear coat finish, especially for a gloss. Obviously with a matte, you, you can get away with it a little bit more, but for a glossy finish, it has to be completely even. Um, man, I, I just, I see some atrocious things on Facebook, just really atrocious. And people are like, oh, look, look how great it looks. It's like, let's hold that camera down a little bit, put some light between it and let's see how it really looks. <laughs> but everything, everything looks good on social media. Yeah. Everything looks good when the lighting's poor, including potential partners. Wow. Mm. Just trying to save a couple fellows in the bars tonight. <laughs> Who's up? All right. You're up, Sedge. Uh, Sedge. Um. <clears throat> I'm trying to remember the video I was watching where, and this is just this is just a basic um, woodworking uh, tip, but thinking through the whole process. Mm. Um, and so just you know, it's it's a simple process and of building a cabinet. You rip, you cross cut, you band, you punch, you join, you assemble. Okay, and there's sometimes I see people where they're skipping steps, and I'm going, mm -mm, uh, 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 that's going to be off a little uh, because you should have done that step first, or that's the way I do it, and I have a better result. So it's always thinking through the whole process. It goes back to even sanding. Don't skip grits, but think through the whole process first. And there's some videos out there that, and and you know, there's also magazines that were notorious. Uh, they weren't showing the whole process, just little bits. And then you would read like maybe one sentence about the process or the part of the process they left out. And I go, you know, that's kind of critical too. You should do like a picture of that, or you should talk about it a little. And I know why they're doing it. They're trying to make a short video for YouTube or something for social media. And they're cutting out some stuff and, if you're trying to teach people the <clears throat> the right way to, if it's a teaching video, don't leave out too, too much. I mean, you don't have to go on and on about a step. You know, the voiceover part's great, uh, but don't leave stuff out because people need to know that whole process. So, so it's interesting you say that. So th there is no happy medium if you're trying to do an instructional video on YouTube, in my opinion, right? Yeah. You either talk too much to some people or you don't talk enough to others. Yeah. Um, which is why I have a tendency to talk a lot in my videos and probably over explain things. And I do deal with people that make comments about like, oh, you could have said the same thing. Well, you're at a different, you're at a different skill level than the person who's watching this and hanging on every word. Um, I get a lot quite often. Um, people will make comments about, you know, it was long, it was, you know, in depth, but I, I found it really helpful. Or 
even when I do leave out like little things that even like I wouldn't even have considered putting in the video because I didn't think it would be worthwhile. And they're looking at it as a brand new beginner going, these are the things that I can't find in a video because everybody's glossing over it or everybody's leaving mm-hmm. it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it just goes back to it's, it's almost yeah. impossible to have a happy it, medium, right? It is. And <clears throat> I just, I got a comment on a video. I'm trying to remember what video it is, but it's a recent comment. And it said, thanks for taking the time to explain it and not leave a lot out mm-hmm. because this is, and he put me in a group of two other guys that I just admire as instructors. And he put me in that group. The three of you have really opened my brain to woodworking. And I was blown away when that person wrote it. Um, How does it feel to be up here with me and Jason? Right. You know what? He, uh, I, mean, yeah, I, I immediately that assumed it was me. I mean, that Ben I mean, Marshall, one the same hell podcast of an EV together. motorcycle rider. I mean, it says we're on the same podcast. You know, you don't have but to. No, but it was it was really down. neat because I just like teaching people about what I know about woodworking. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's fun, and I do it for a living at Festool, but I also get the opportunity on the weekends to show Big D a, a few tips and tricks on basic woodworking techniques. So, um. Don't don't leave out a lot of the process if your channel is a teaching channel. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you, I've watched some videos for 45, an hour, an hour and a half. You guys know Paul Sellers, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That guy's incredible. The creator of Papa John's? Yes. That guy, <laughs> that guy is incredible instructor. I'm pretty sure Gary knows him. Yeah. I don't oh, really? know who Papa John's is. <laughs> really? Does Gary know him? No, no, I don't know. I oh, just... you think Gary knows every Englishman? Yeah, it's just an assumption. Isn't, isn't that how that works? I mean, they're all on an island. They, they oh all my know God. each other. <laughs> they probably have they probably have tea and crumpets together on Thursday nights. Oh my God, he's he's a great instructor. Yeah, you want to get some tea, Governor? It's my <laughs> Governor. It's my turn. All right. I've got a bunch written down. I've been thinking of things, but the next one, uh, I was guilty of it for a long time until I learned my lesson. A few times, <laughs> and that's cutting rough lumber on the miter saw. So, I'm not an advocate for it. Some people will disagree. Um, I've had multiple kickbacks from doing it, um, even Just with of the tension buildup or tension buildup. You don't have an actual flat, clean surface. Even mm-hmm. with using the clamp, I've had it happen on multiple saws. When a board is not, when you don't have a reference edge and you're able to keep it flat, from my experience, in my opinion, that is when you're asking for trouble. Mm-hmm. So I have stopped doing that. Um, I know there's people that do it constantly and they have no, no problems with it. Maybe they do, maybe Jigsaw. they're not sharing it, but it just takes that one time of that board getting tight and getting pinched. And I'll give you an example. So let's say you take that rough lumber and it's just got the ever so slight arc to it where you're making the cut, just ever so slight. You push it down as hard as you can and you clamp it in place and you think you're all good. But in reality, it might be sitting a millimeter off of that surface, right? And as you're cutting that down, as soon as you put down too, that too much pressure, yeah. it has a tendency to want to bind. And that's, that's what causes the kickback on a miter saw. So yeah. I learned a long time ago to stop doing that. And it's actually faster for me doing it the way that I do it now, which is I break it down with a jigsaw. I take my mm-hmm. rough board. I need a piece that's 30 inches long. I'll probably make it roughly 32 inches, 33 inches, depending on you know how much waste I want to have. And... I will just make a very quick mark, take my jigsaw, cut it, and set it to the side. And then that way it does a few things. It takes out the, the 
you know, danger really completely, right? I've never had an issue since. And then when I have those boards uh, ready to cut down to my final size, they've already been surfaced. They've already been cut. All I have to do is put it up against the fence and I've never had a problem uh, doing it that way. I'm sharing that because I've had it happen. I've actually shared a video on it um, on Instagram the last time it happened. And the last time it happened was when I was in my shop in, in um, Georgia, when I had my standalone shop down in uh, North Georgia. And I shared that video and I was making a cut and sure enough, it pinched the blade and shot it right back at me, rough lumber. And that was the last time I ever did it. So do what you want, but that would definitely be a recommendation for me. Yeah. I think this one is, is just low hanging fruit. And I'm surprised that neither one of y'all said it first, probably because you felt like it's just common knowledge. And I'm that's used to low not hanging. accounting. <laughs> okay. High hanging fruit for you, Sedge. Oh, okay. oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, not accounting for wood movement, even though I, I think that most people that listen to this podcast already know about wood movement. You would be, I mean, there's a new person that steps in woodworking every single day. And the amount of posts that I've seen on Facebook where it's like, like a help me post. It's like, I delivered this, you know, <laughs> uh, hallway table to a customer yeah. three weeks ago. Now all the boards are, are doing piano keys, you know, like one's up, one's down, one's left, one's right. And it's just like, Every single comment's like wood movement, wood movement, wood movement. Don't use wood that's still wet. Um, invest in a moisture meter. Understand the difference between softwood and hardwood moisture content, especially for your area and temperate zone. And don't don't use green wood when you make stuff. I mean, or wet wood, you know. And it doesn't need to be wet green whatever even kiln dried wood's gonna move on you you yeah. have to accommodate for it it's, it's gonna move there's a um i think it's the national forestry service did a, a study on wood movement and they have an entire table i think Katz moses did a video on that he did or, yeah. or it's in one of or it's like a section of one of his videos uh where it shows you you can look up the the temperate zone that you're in and then what wood you're trying to use and it'll tell you how much deviation there will likely be with flat sawn, quarter sawn um, uh, wood at, at different temperatures. Like expect it to expand and contrast, you know, three millimeters every year over year or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, and that, just like Sedge said, it's, it's going to move. No matter what it is, it's going to move. And you counteract that through design, um, how you design the furniture, how you assemble it, how, you, how it stays together. Um, you don't want to lock everything together unless and, it's like a composite or something. You can get away with it, but and mother nature always gets the last vote and understanding how the wood moves it. Yeah. Across it, the grain. It, yeah. yeah. Yes. Not length of grain. Yeah. And a lot of people make accommodations for that. And it drives me crazy. It doesn't move and it moves tangentially across the grain and I have I have two examples in the training center, or actually one's in our CEO's office, and he was wondering why it's proud, and, and it is right now in the summertime. I go, wait till February, and every February, uh, he would come and get me and go, oh my God, look, it's even now. We accommodated because of the maple that's in between. Yeah. You've seen it, Jason, where we want to follow the legs. 
you haven't seen it, it. No. I'll show you when you're in. And it's a, uh, it's really it's it's about about three millimeters proud right now. Uh, but people just say there was a guy at work once. He goes, Sedg, I want to show you what I designed. And I go, did you? And you joined it already? He goes, yeah, yeah. It's not going to move. I bought it at Home Depot. It's seven yellow pine, and it was this beautiful <laughs> geometric pattern for a patio. And I go, it's not oh. going to move. It's going to split. And guess what? He goes, oh, no, 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 no. It's kiln dried. I go, okay. I'm not going to argue with people. I'm just going to, yeah. I go, you asked me for my advice. I said, you got to yeah. accommodate forward movement. About six months went by. I go, hey, Jonathan, how's that table? He goes, you were right. I go, it's not that I wanted to be right. It's all split apart because he joined it all tight with the domino and all with the tight setting. He didn't accommodate. I go, you glued it all up, didn't you? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. It was a beautiful geometric pattern he had cut, but it it's going to move. Yeah. It always does. Yeah. never. That's a good point. To, yeah. I've seen a lot of people, newbies, just they're really excited. Oh, I'm going to put a breadboard edge. I'm not going to accommodate. I'm just going to glue it up. And I do have a, a, a shaker, occasional table that I did. And you should see that the whole boards I joined, I wanted to show people this. I knew it was going to split. And boy, it's splitting right in the middle. And then it comes back in the wintertime, splits in the summer. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's what it is. It's wood, baby. It's yeah, my, uh, my computer desk, it's made out of, I have the, the majority of the surface is made out of cherry. And then I have walnut breadboard ends. And, um, when I made it, I didn't float the tenons, and so one of the uh, one of the planks is it splits. Mm-hmm. It's coming together now because it's middle of summer, but in the winter it'll it'll be a big gap. Mm-hmm. I just get a bow tie, and then and then I'll pocket hold it together. There right. you go. That's you the gotta way lock to it all together. Yeah, put some blue epoxy in it too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sedge, I think you're next. Yep. Um, this is a little bit of advice that this is the mistakes I, a mistake I used to make with my business partner, Mikey is, um, you really get involved in a project. It's late at night and you're tired. Know when to, to close up shop. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because a, that's when you, when you start making mistakes, it just compounds one after another because you're exhausted, you're fatigued. And two, that's when accidents happen. So know when to say, hey, I'm tired. Tomorrow's another day. And that's a little because that's a mistake I used to make. And I'll I'll just say, hey, it's not that I see it on a video, but I, I've seen so many people start to make mistakes when they're tired. <laughs> just yeah. keep it fun and you know, enjoy the journey and, and be patient. Uh, just tomorrow's another day, close up shop. Yeah. Because I've seen our spray finishing went sideways one night and we continued to spray and we had to backtrack pretty hard. We were pushed back an additional four days before delivery and we were, it was bad, bad, bad. We should have stopped four hours prior. We couldn't get it to go. We couldn't get the finish right. Guess what? Next day we came in. We started spraying again. It was perfect, but we had ruined quite a bit. We had to go rebuild some stuff. Yeah. So no when to stop. 
Yeah. That's I, mean, I, I think advice. it's I think it's a pride thing too that you've got to kind of stop yourself on. Yeah. To kind of keep going, you know. Yeah. Oh, I another? can handle it. I'm going to push through. Mm. Yeah. You're not thinking straight. You're tired, man. You got to get some rest, get some Z's. You're going to keep making mistakes. Yep. Are we doing another round? Yeah, let's let's do one more. Okay. If we um, got them. The one I was going to say kind of goes along with what Cedra was saying, so I won't uh, add to that, but not using a reference edge for making subsequent cuts. Wait, say that's that something again? not using a reference edge after make or for making subsequent cuts. And what yeah. I mean by that, yeah. um, one, I know this amazing video that breaks this down on YouTube. You should probably God. go check it out. It's called You're Doing It Wrong. Um, no, but in all but honesty, this one man he has got a chiseled body and godlike jaw. And yeah, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've seen people like, you know, cut a piece of plywood. And the, the edge that they just cut, then they go over to their table saw and then they flip it around and it's like, now they're cutting it to, to a thickness, but they're using the opposite side as mm -hmm. the reference, thinking that that's going to make it perfect when it's not, because now you're referencing the other edge, which could be off. It just makes no sense to me. Like when you make a cut, every cut that you make after that should be referenced off of that initial cut. Yes. Same goes for putting things through a thickness planer. If you, if you did not flatten, not smooth, flatten right. one side and then you pass it through, it's just going to mimic. Yes. Whatever, yeah. whatever the surface looks like on the opposite side, you're going to have exactly. a, you're going to have a board that's really thin in the middle and then really thick on the outsides. Well, it's, you, you know, you'll get a, you'll see a lot of people too, that they're like, oh, I, I have this planer now. Like maybe they don't have a joiner, right? I have this planer now and now I'm going to have this perfect wood and they take this bowed board and put it through mm -hmm. their planer. And at the end of it, it looks great. But it's, but still, it's still the same shape. Like yeah. It doesn't, yeah. the shape doesn't change unless you're using a, a jointer sled. But yeah, I, I just, I see that a lot. If, if you make a cut, that needs to be your reference cut now. And that's, that's why I go into detail on that video talking about it. And even then, even though I explained it, people still were so confused by it. They're like, that doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. Like, you know, well, you, you, you cut off the edge and then now how do you know that that's straight? How do you know that that's square? It's not square right now. It doesn't matter. Like people overthink this, right? I could cut, I could take a piece of plywood and I could cut a 30 degree angle from one end to the other, eight feet long and still get a perfectly square board. And peop, some people cannot understand that. They're like, well, that, that first cut's not, isn't square. Of course it's not square. I established the baseline. From here, I will use that baseline in order to get a square panel. Mm -hmm. Utilize your reference cut on all cuts after that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. That is all I have to say. All right. My last one, and this, this has always been a bugaboo of mine, using construction-grade plywood to build furniture. <laughs> and I don't mean like shop... Like shop furniture is fine. It's meant to be abused. It's meant to be beat up. But like, I can't tell you how many times I've walked in someone's home and they're like, hey, I just made this, you know, whatever. And you can tell it's like the pine plywood stuff because you can see like the cut lines in it and the, you know, the shoddy the surfacing that, yeah, the shoddy surface. Uh, you don't use you know, OSB for your dining room table? 
<laughs> I get a kick out of when you just see the side of the cabinet and the Dutchman, you know, the little footballs that yeah, are in yeah, there. Yeah. And you yeah. go, and, and I don't have a poker face. I usually go like this. <laughs> I look right at it. And and to, to top it off, they slap um they slap the two in one stain and finish on it. Yep. You know, the, the single coat. Yep. It's like, oh my God. This looks terrible. But they're like, they're like really proud of it, you know. God, it looks like something you'd buy in a in a uh in a store like what goodwill i mean but make make house furniture great again <laughs> oh my god america america i got one one last one already okay um because <laughs> uh, and guess what this is going to stem off of yours understanding grain direction for furniture building <laughs> have you ever walked in to a house and the raised panel, they had a raised panel, but the grain's going like this. Have you ever seen that? I've my never neighbor, seen it in person. My neighbor, two doors down, did a, a shaker flat panel, not a raised panel, shaker flat panel. And he did use a lot of construction grade. And I walked in and I go, oh my God, that's... <laughs> and I get these Wait, eyes. the grain's going horizontal, not vertical? Yes. Ooh. Okay, so here's, here's another point I want to make out. To or a point out, so somebody might say, uh, putting the back, putting up dirty man, make out, putting up paint grade. This is a family podcast, okay? They're using veneer plywood, okay? Mm -hmm. And it's the last back that they're putting on a cabinet, and they don't have enough. And you know, in the back of the cabinet, it rises, the grain goes vertical, right? Mm -hmm. But they say it's going to be paint grade. So they go and paint it. You could still see the you could still see the grain see through the grain. it, and yeah. you'll see it a mile away. Uh, it, so uh, a typical homeowner may look at it and go, "Hmm, their eye catches it, but they really don't know what don't they're looking know, at." Yeah. We as yeah. woodworkers see it a mile away, but the homeowner says, "There's something wrong. I don't know what it is, but I'll accept it." And then somebody walks in and goes, oh, yeah, they, the grain goes this way for the back of the cabinet. Well, you know, I mean, if if Eric Curtis uses construction grade on all of his stuff, then oh. I could oh, probably God. use it on mine. He, he's oh, probably God. the best construction grade woodworker I've ever seen. I mean, he he takes OSB and just turns it into art, you know? I love how he stacks it together. I know. Glues it up in multiple layers. The OSB, and then and it it. makes it makes the best outdoor furniture. It It really does. (laughs) Sheathing by Eric. And if you ever wanted to put drywall over the top of it, or siding, or other things, it's it's ready. It's perfect. (laughs) Okay. Oh my god. That was a good topic. Good job, Ben. Thank you. Next week is a. That's my that's my marketing research hard at work. Next week is a patron-sponsored episode. Excited to see what somebody comes up with for that. Hey, this is Ben, inviting you to join our growing podcast community over on Patreon. As a member of our community, you'll get early and ad-free access to each episode, as well as invites to our monthly group call with the community. Also, you'll be able to participate in the direction of the show by submitting your questions for upcoming episodes, as well as pitching some great product ideas for Hans to read in the mid-roll ad. Use the links in the show notes below, and we'll see you on Patreon. Jason, it's it's kind of a a given that you're the only one that gets hatred these days. Mm-hmm. Do you have any 
any comments for the the get bent segments i have a couple of the hatreds hans <laughs> Ooh! all right it's time for the jingles hey everyone that hates jason it's it's time to read your comments that was that was it really bent. good ben okay <laughs> sorry it's my most relaxed talking guys yeah all right so the first one i think the first and second one are on my installing life proof vinyl flooring this person says it's estwing e-s-t-w-i-n-g not e-a-s-t-w-i-n-g why does everybody say it wrong I don't even know what they're referring to. Uh, <laughs> did you say Estwing hammer? He doesn't have a hammer. I don't remember if I used, if I had one in the video. Maybe I what did. What video was it? Anyways, it's spelled, it's, it's not Eastwing. It's Estwing. Why does everybody say Oh, it? pardon yeah. us, Mr. Estwing police. <laughs> if oh, I gosh. had a hammer... Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. This is the same video. Another person. Oh my God. I can't. This guy is so wrong about so many things. First of, but the life proof install kit with the proper hammer and tapping block and spacers and save yourself some time and money and don't get anywhere near your flooring with a regular hammer better yet watch the official video from lifeproof and follow manufacturer ins installation instructions and save yourself the trouble all one sentence okay i have a few theories here okay and in this i've only arrived at this theory because we've done this segment for almost for a year now and jason accurately reads these these poorly worded comments exactly how they're written but it makes me think that this person or these people that write these comments with really bad grammar and English, they are so infuriated at whatever it was that they saw in Jason's video. They're so mad that executive functioning has, has shut down, right? Mm -hmm. They're in caveman mode. And so they're just like fervently just smashing on their keyboard. Like nothing really makes sense. It's just pure, raw, unadulterated emotion that's coming out towards and Jason in these comments. And that's and why they sound they're the way that they drunk. do. They're probably or, drunk too. Or they're, or they're drunk. Or they're drunk. Yeah. But that's or it's why Patrick. they're... It's Patrick. <laughs> or they they commented on the video using a rotary phone instead of a <laughs> smartphone. <laughs> yeah, well, more Jesus. I'm seeing if I have any more, but I've got... I've got a lot of... Uh, Got a lot of nice ones. Yeah, I, I don't have any. I don't have any more. Hey, we got beers yeah, for the no, boys this back, week. I'm back to the last one. That's right, we do. But as people listening to this, it's already happened. Hey, wasn't oh, yeah. beer of the boys really fun? Yeah, it, it was, was a great fantastic. one. It was great. It was it awesome. Was I can't believe Jason got naked again. I know. Yeah, yeah. he stayed up so late. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I did my. Uh, That's uh, the only thing call. that stayed up. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I did my Patreon call Sunday night just so I wasn't doing it the same weekend as Beers of the Boys, and it it was really good. We did some uh, talking of my business idea, and I got some pretty good feedback. So it's good. It's in the works. It's good. But yeah, I'm looking forward to Friday. 
All righty. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for giving us your, your time and attention. We hope that this episode brought you great knowledge and, and, and understanding and that you don't repeat some of the mistakes we've talked about in this episode. Predominantly wearing flip-flops in your shop. It's very dangerous. You shouldn't do it. <laughs> do not do what Jason does. Guys, he has if, very I'm bad examples. In my shop, if I'm out here in my shop, putzing around, organizing, doing, I'll wear whatever. You should wear full PPE. I want. Ooh. Full PPE, Jason. Safety doesn't take a holiday. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. oh hold on. Speaking uh, real quick. Speaking of that, Justin actually commented on one of my videos recently where I was actually woodworking again and like doing these shelves and building things. And he, he wrote in the comments, he's like, shoes. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? Are you wearing shoes in your shop? He's like, don't you always wear flip-flops? I think he was just egging it on, but I'm like, yeah, yeah shocking, right? That you know, here I am wearing. Is everything shoes okay, Jason? I'm, You're wearing. I'm woodworking and using power tools. All right. All right. All right, everybody. We'll see okay. you in the next episode. We'll see bye you bye. later. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.